you know, Naked in the Woods, that show where they just whatever it's called, yeah. um, <laughs> just that is technology. <laughs> <laughs> Your team needs the most talented developers to build the most innovative products. TopTal makes it easy by unlocking the top 3% of on-demand talent worldwide. Fast. Scale your team for success at toptal.com slash stackoverflow. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast, a place to talk about all things programming, software, coding, technology, whatever it may be. I'm Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow. and I'm here today with my two wonderful co-hosts. Hi, Paul. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Ben. Hey, Paul. How's it going? Doing good. Getting by. Yeah. Sarah, I have this problem. I keep meeting people, you know, at out at parties. Mm. Are you going to a lot of parties, parties I guess. right now? Let's say on Clubhouse, and we're talking about okay. some new altcoin okay. they created. And if I, you know, only got a little bit of that at the start, I, I'd be really rich in a few years. Yeah. And I say, oh, yeah, that's, that's great. Just send it to me. You know, I'm over at IBVB, MSCY you know, 4G 57932. And then they forget, they forget my address. They don't bother to send it to my wallet and I miss out on a big opportunity. So I was wondering, I was just thinking there has to be a better way than these, you know, 26 character alphanumerics when somebody wants to send you their latest nonsense nickel, yeah. right? I mean, there has to be a better yeah, way. Yeah. I'm kind of obsessed with this. This is my new, this and NFTs are my new obsession, but yeah. So these uh, domains, these ENS domains, will link directly to your wallet, your crypto wallet. And it works with Ethereum-based coins. So for me, so I registered sarahjoe.eth. And if you send money to sarahjoe.eth, I get it. It's really easy. It's kind of like, oh, so easy. yeah, you want to buy my car? Great. Just send, you know, half a Bitcoin to sarahjoe.eth. It's pretty easy. So if anyone wants to send me money that is currently listening. Yeah. Yeah. They recreated <laughs> DNS, but instead of DNS, it's built on destroying the entire uh, ecology of the world. <laughs> no, because this is Ethereum. And the whole point of Ethereum is it's trying to become carbon neutral. It's, Ethereum pays it down. Oh, nice. yes, they're Ethereum's okay. Yeah, it's the I'll Bitcoin, but Bitcoin's working on it too. I got closer than ever. I, I downloaded, what's it, Gemini? Oh, yeah. Yeah, because I was talking to a friend. He's like, Coinbase, I have mixed feelings about. Gemini is local. Depends how you feel about the Winklevoss twins. I don't have a lot of feelings mm -hmm. about the Winklevoss twins. So I got Gemini, and then I got bored. The yeah. same thing happened with Robinhood. And I, that, you know what I find? I just, I find a good index fund incredibly motivating <laughs> and exciting. I'm just like, look at that. Look at compound interest just working like it has since the Florentine merchants. <laughs> it's true. It's oh really my busy. God. You are the exception that proves the rule. Yeah, yeah yesterday. That's amazing. I'm glad you can take compound oh, I like, what I'm just like, I spend all, I'm just like, I'm going to spend all week thinking about the small amount of incremental revenue that's been generated by the trading in my socially responsible index fund. I don't feel like I have any friends. I don't have any yeah. friends in modern <laughs> internet world. Yeah, well, you know what it is? It's the it's the uh, feeling of like losing half your net worth and doubling your net worth in a day. You know, it's just like, woof, woof. There's a lot of serotonin. Yeah, 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 see, I don't, that's not a good feeling. That's a bad feeling, Sarah. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's like it's that feeling. This is like when I read that article about the teens and college students who are drinking like half a bottle of Benadryl <laughs> and then having like bugs all over them. And they're like, yeah, it feels really bad. And you have bugs and you stare into the abyss and it's terrible and I hate it. I have a real problem because I do it all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, it it's, it's like Bitcoin. It's a lot of feeling, Paul. It's a lot of feeling. Yeah. I did see one thing, a, a tweet that said, if the Winklevi really do hold 1% of Bitcoin, they're on their way to finally getting their revenge and being richer than Zuckerberg. So hold tight. Hold tight. I mean, yeah. I definitely. hate everything. I really do sometimes. <laughs> uh. But Sarah, you had the option here through ENS to go with SarahJo.club. So I, I'm happy for you, but also a little disappointed. Really? I didn't even see the club option. I would have picked that definitely. Yeah, they've got other options here. You can you can get your decentralized wallet and you can go with .club or .art. Yeah, there's a couple of dot cred. There's a couple of that's in there. nice. Well, that's our requisite crypto talk for the, for the episode. Um, <laughs> we made Sarah happy. Let's move on. Crypto Sarah corner happy with SarahJo.eth. <laughs> <laughs> I'm ready. Um, but I saw an interesting article, uh, which I share with you all this morning, about package management and the idea uh, behind the piece, just to sort of get us started. And then we can look at the topic more broadly, was about security and sort of like, what the modern package manager needs to think about and how the fact is that over time, good or best practices start to get baked into what people are doing with certain, you know, Linux distribution or, uh, you know, some of the, the languages that I can, that come up all the time, Go and Rust and Python. So Paul, help people understand sort of the premise here, or maybe take us back to where you wanted to start, which is sort of like why you think this is such a central piece of being a modern software developer. Central processing units are use a mm. set of little tiny alpha. Okay, so I went too far back. This is a piece by um, Michael and Michelle Gorney, and it's uh, on blogs.gen2.org slash M-G-O-R-N-Y. So <laughs> if okay. you're a Unix aficionado, there's a lot that that URL just told you, right? We're in Gen2, which is a Unit, it's a Linux that likes to compile. And the piece is called The Modern Packager Security Nightmare. Mm. So look, this was a huge surprise to me as I got further and further into the world of engineering and software development. And, and Sarah, as someone who's on the debt, you know, related to and, and, and advises the .NET Foundation, you're going to have opinions here too. You might think that programming has a lot to do with writing lines of code to make the computer do things. And that is absolutely a critical part of programming yeah. sometimes. An unbelievable amount of programming. And actually, look at, we've had people from Vercel and Netlify on the show. And, yeah. and you know, there's GitHub, there's, there's sort of all these unbelievable amount of programming is about managing dependencies to deploy the code securely. And on the Unix side, and increasingly on the Windows side, there's this concept of package managers, as well as inside of programming languages. And you're like, well, that's just software and blah, blah, blah. You know, it's just like, of course, it installs the things. Like, you know, like my Windows installer. And no. Yeah. <laughs> this is the actual hardest problem in computer science is. No, I was going to say, maybe we could talk a little bit about what it was like before package management. Because I'm sure you remember where you'd have these huge applications with all these libraries and things were just so slow. And that's where that whole xkcd where it's like my code's compiling with the guy's sword fighting like that's the whole thing yeah it's just because you well, have I'm so much i'm 25 code. years old so i have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about no this, well back this in my day okay yeah this is correct right <laughs> so 
on a web server, let's say, you might set one up by compiling Apache, downloading the source code to Apache and, and, and running it. And then the cost to update that binary was a lot. Like mm. it was like, I got to go into the server. I got to reinstall it. I got to remember burn and something might break and I got to run configure. And so you end up in a situation where, where people are individually compiling software in an ad hoc way where everything got insecure really fast. So package managers really from a security point of view, from a user point of view, they're really, they tend to be a little bit behind the bleeding edge, but they make it, you can write one command and have a piece of software on your system. From a security point of view, it means that there's a centrally updated repository of what needs to be running. So like I run Ubuntu Linux at home. Groovy Gorilla, if anybody has any questions, don't hack. Nice. <laughs> and uh, no, but like I run app to get dist upgrade on a regular mm-hmm. basis. And that goes and gets all the, you know, gets me a new kernel, gets everything all tidied up for me. And that is a gift. Like that is, I mean, it's a hell of a thing to get for free. Yeah. But what it means is when, when something bad happens and people figure out how to hack into mainframe, the package security manager is the first thing that jumps in and is like, oh, okay, let's let's first let's fix it here. And then that will affect hundreds of thousands of systems and get them get them up to date. Yeah, it's a it's a wild world. I think um I, one thing that's been really fascinating to me the past few years is learning how different companies deal with these vulnerabilities or potential vulnerabilities. Like there becomes an extra step in some places. We're introducing, like it used to be that you could introduce a library, kind of skim it, make sure that nothing was in there that was concerning. But now you're opening up your application to developers that have no part of your application. So it means you're trusting these people. Mm. And so some companies I've seen that they put boards together of people who this, sometimes this is their full-time job and sometimes it's a gathering of developers and where people propose adding these libraries or frameworks and this board is in charge of vetting it and voting on whether it's something that could be included. Which, you know, random, you know, when you're, when you're a young developer coming in or, or less, you know, newer career developer coming into an organization and you, you would like to use some tools and get some work done. Yeah. That, <laughs> that team will break your heart. Yeah. It's a buzzkill. Like, hey, yeah. Yeah. You know, you'll talk to people where they'll be like, you know, they're on old versions of Java, they're on old, ver- you know, and it, it's because they finally got it to where it needed to be to work in 2008. And just, God, you remember what it used to be? Yeah. See, that's the danger, right? Like you and I are just like, yeah, it used to be so bad. And everyone else is like, yeah, this industry moves a million miles a minute. Why are you making me use the old stuff? We're like, hey, you don't even know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was talking to someone the other day and they were saying that in the past month they've been in like 50 hours of meetings because their company's considering upgrading Java to a new version. And they just sit there with the license and they just go through this stuff. It's really it's really fun stuff. Upgrading Java is like like when they moved that house in San Francisco down the street yeah, three blocks. Exactly that. Like, it's exactly that. Yeah. Like you gotta they, they actually have to like separate the house, put yeah. it on rails, and then it moves about a foot a minute. I mean, you're just you're just it's gonna be a big deal. And you're like, well, I guess so. Like, I guess it's hard to move a house. It's hard to move a house. <laughs> I could yeah. Do it. <laughs> Other places I've talked to, they've built their own it's a little less bureaucracy, but they built their own security robots, right? So it's like, if you want to use a library, you know, run it through this tool so that we mm. can make sure it's okay. And the, the right. tool runs continually. And that makes a ton of sense. And it seems like a great thing to me. But the first thing I think of is like, who built the tool? How good is it? Right. And how long before oh, someone yeah. figures out how to get around your tool? 
who can hack the tool? And then it's sort of like someone recently figured out, you know, the most likely names for internal packages and then started putting packages into the different software repositories because, you know, when people do installs, it tends to install those tools instead of the local ones. So Yeah, did do we talk about this at all? This was a big one. No. Yeah, was it a security researcher? I'm not sure who who figured this out, but someone figured out that NPM that a lot of companies had packages that were local packages to them. So say I work at, you know, company XYZ. Well, we have a package called XYZ classes. Yeah. Utils. Utils. That's a good one. XYZ right? Utils. Yeah, perfect. <laughs> and so they figured out that and and we're loading it locally and we're using NPM. Well, they figured out at the time that if they created a public package called uh, XYZ Utils and put it in NPM, then NPM would automatically go for the public version before the private version, which was exposing all these companies to wow. to his code, which good thing it was his code, right. but who knows? That's the supply chain attack. That's the same yeah. thing as the solar winds, you know, like get it in there as one of the, yeah, the basic tools or, you know, things you're going to be sent every month from some vendor and people don't even, their eyes just glaze over. Yeah. Security and package management is one of those things where, you know, it's one of those like, oh, well, adults are in charge. Things. Yeah. And then, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's like when you realize that you're the, like, you ever been to a doctor who's younger than you? Have you had That's that experience yet? That's very upsetting to me. <laughs> yes. It is. And they're like, you're like, you, you, you don't have any of this knowledge that I have all bundled up <laughs> in this mess. That, like, right. You know, and they're like, oh, you're going to want to do these five things. And you I'm are like, a child. I'm like, you're right, but I you just told me that in a voice that sounds like Chippendale Adventures. And I'm not, I'm not ready for that. You know, I don't want to that that is what security is. Security is just like eleven year old doctors, and you're just like, uh-oh. <laughs> I'm gonna take this advice, but I'm really scared. And they're like, don't worry, these we get new hearts all the time. Yeah. yeah. So, and that's package management. Like we can't live without it now is the problem. That's the thing. It is absolutely bananas how much we are dependent on goodwill. Yeah. In the industry that runs every subsystem and yes. every piece of infrastructure in the world. Like, literally, you know, Apple is worth, you know, roughly, uh, it doesn't matter how much it's worth. We know a- it doesn't. Yeah. It's a jewel beyond price, yeah. right? And Apple was dependent on the goodwill of the node package management. It's not really NPM. Yeah, God's sake. Whew, yeah, I almost screwed that up. NPM, which is inside <laughs> of uh, which is inside of Microsoft, which is related to GitHub, which is like these interdependencies are tight. And frankly, there are brilliant people evaluating them, trying to get them right. And so it's one of these things. Like the horrible truth about our industry is that coding is actually really secondary to these incredibly boring things like package management. Yeah, and. Like one of the best things you can do as a developer is learn about dependency management and, you know, code regressions and, and, and sort of how to deal with and manage those. And, I mean, and it's, you know, GitHub is starting to automate a lot of this away. The point made in the piece that we were talking about, which I think is a really good one, I, I, there's, it has a great summary, which is wonderful for podcast hosts, which I'll just read a couple sentences. So static linking, dependency pinning, and bundling are three bad practices that have had serious impact on the time and effort needed to eliminate vulnerabilities from production systems. Meaning, don't copy libraries all over the place and cross your fingers. Like Have them in one place, update them once, and that way you'll get the security throughout all the systems that depend on them. And so that's package yeah, that's managers do that. 
I want to, I, yeah, I mean, like, I, I'm a developer. I want to type three, I want to type six letters and then have, now I can use underscore wherever I want. I guess, right, you were saying, like, we can't go back now. And some of this was the path of least resistance and, and of utility, right? Like, people being able to grab this stuff that other people are building and to work with it. People expect, like you said, Paul, if you're going to get in somewhere and be useful really quickly, that you know how to do this stuff and that you're you know, willing to be like flexible that way or that you're willing to be versatile that way. The big vulnerability the author is pointing out is that new programming languages like Go and That's Rust huge, yeah. Yeah, are really big on static linking. You don't have the libraries in the library folder. Instead, you just yeah. bundle it all together into a binary, which means that that risk point, we're actually back to where we were 20 years ago. And of course, you know, <laughs> the memory management is better and it's garbage collected or statically typed. So that's going to make it all better. But then there's that one, you know, you have now 30 different binaries that might include the same um, TCP IP library that would be utterly vulnerable yeah. uh, spread across your system. And you don't know which ones it is. Are you saying it's like where we were 20 years ago because it's like it's almost like dealing with proprietary code because you, you can't even read it. You don't That's even right. know what you you're putting in. That's right. You can't get in there. I mean, yeah, and it, yeah. it's practice rather than theory, right? Like it's all open. You could read the code. You could, you know, but now we're back to like, you know, Norton 360 auditing your system and saying, looks like you have Winsock 3.09 and you, you know, you need alpha. And like, how are we going to get through this? And I, look, there is an answer, and it's really simple. It's take all your computers and throw them out the window into the garbage. Well, okay, here I have another answer. What if it's hoard cryptocurrencies because in all likelihood your system is going to be held ransom by a library that you install? You know what we are here? It's literally people going, no, more capitalism. No, more communism. <laughs> and then, you know, essentially, it, the horrible thing about technology is that centrism is the only solution. It's just sort of like, yeah, well, we're just going to have to work together all the That's different boring. sides in order to find. I know. Nobody yeah. wants that. It's like, <laughs> no, no we're going to have a functional reactive package installer called Rickleware. And you're like, oh, cool, that's the answer. That's right. We're going to do that. <laughs> that guy wrote a great blog post. That sounds right. Okay, let's let's leave on some advice here, right? Like, you know a lot more about this than I do, right? You're you're involved. I'm I'm just an observer. What do people need to know about package management? Like, it seems to be a very social thing to just organize these package management tools. Like, if you're a programmer, what should you be thinking? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is that, you know, we think of we think of packages like a natural resource, like trees or grass, where it's just like this will always exist and this is here to help me and this is very nice. And I think the biggest thing that you learn is that it's actually just like a bunch of three guys and a bunch of rubber bands and two garbage cans. You know, like it's just like and it's great. There are people that put a lot of work and a lot of their lives into this, but they're people just like you. So people building these packages that you're using all the time, they mis make mistakes like you make mistakes, right? They have systems to try to catch those mistakes. And sometimes they have big companies behind them that do the same thing. But in the end, you can't just trust that the things people are building are always good and always there to help you. You know what? This is actually the same thing people used to say 20 years ago. When we we're talking about memory garbage collection, right? Of like, you can't trust the garbage collector to always be working on your behalf. You have to understand what's underneath it. So I guess it right. sounds really similar. But I think just understanding that the people building these libraries are just human beings, just like you. And sometimes they make a mistake or sometimes they get tired and they don't want to do it anymore. And someone gets in there and they do mean things. You know, it's just you like... You know what? This is, a, this is a, a hard thing to learn. 
which is that you really do assume as you're coming along in your career that there is a secret reservoir of genius. And even if you're not, you didn't get tapped, someone's got it. And they're over there doing exactly what you would hope they're doing. And that, that's not the case. Like you, you'll meet people from giant companies where everybody's supposed to be a superstar and they'll be like the smartest people in the world. And you'll be like, yeah, you actually know about three times more than me. Yeah, You're sharper, but you're not actually like, I just watched you spill ketchup on your shirt, right? Like, (laughs) there she is. There he is. And you're like, you're running the world. You're actually right there making the thing. And, and, you know, you're not able to have functional human relationships. And you might have a bad day. And and, and suddenly all of Python is done. So don't assume malevolence. Don't assume incompetence. Just assume that the, the window is a little bit less wide between your skill set and their skill set than you might assume. Here's what I would say. Here's a good exercise for all of us, which is go look at a package management solution, a magic thing that you type in a command line and it goes and gets all the stuff. Go figure out how it works. Like go read the source code. They're actually not that complicated. It tends to be like a bunch of blobs sitting on a server somewhere and they go and they fetch it and then they run some scripts for post install and they have some hooks and then they're done. Right. And stay away from configure files and make files until you're ready to to die inside. But the other stuff is, I mean, go look at like PIP or NPM, figure out how they work. And and then you'll you'll be horrified because you'll see human frailty and vulnerability in all of its glory. <laughs> you'll also kind of that'll make you a better thinker about how you're deploying and shipping your code. Because again, lines of code, yeah, doesn't matter. All right, y'all. I'm going to uh, read us a lifeboat and we can head our separate ways. This is from five years ago. How to split odd and even numbers and some of both in a collection using stream. And then I guess it's hashtag, what is this? Java stream. Yes. So 21 upvotes and accepted answer. Thank you to Tagir Valiv. Appreciate it. That's our lifeboat badge winner of the week. Contributed a little knowledge and kept a question from entering the dustbin of history. Good job. Good job. Thank you. Thank you to gear. I'm Ben Popper, director of content here at Stack Overflow. Uh, you can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper. You can hit us up podcast at stackoverflow.com. You could send me altcoins at ben.club. Don't actually do that, but you could. <laughs> Someone's going to register ben.club now. I promise you it's Please already Please don't registered. send any altcoins. <laughs> I'm Sarah Chips, Director of Community here at Stack Overflow. You can find me at Sarah Joe on GitHub and you can send me money at sarahjoe.eth. One of those is better than the other. <laughs> I have to, I'm going to have to check with legal on this. All right. I am uh, Paul Ford, friend of Stack Overflow. Check out my company, Postlight. We are hiring, hiring, hiring. We'd love to talk to you. Think about long-term, sensible investment vehicles <laughs> that will be good for your family <laughs> based on the growth of the economy <laughs> and uh, that don't have a strong dependency on absolutely somehow, arbitrary digital infrastructure. financial advice podcast. I don't know how yes, that happens. This is yeah, not right. Dogecoin. The opposite of Dogecoin. Paul Paperhands Ford signing off. Yeah, this is not financial <laughs> advice. I'm just saying, just nice, nice and slow, nice and slow. Give, give you know, Have faith, have faith. We're going to get through all this right, together. All right.